Inspired by Brady, John. Would Tom Brady sit on a podcast from the afternoon or would Tom Brady come back at 10 o'clock at night and re-record the Open to his podcast on Thursday night after that game? This show is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. I still can't believe it, John. I still can't believe it that we got Tito's on the show. But it's here. Tito's is here for football season with ham. And uh, now we're really kicking it off. So have a great weekend with football with Tito's. We've now been talking about them for a month. I guess they officially came on that first month of August, but this it really crystallizes. This is pretty sweet. We got the number one vodka in America that is is very similar to this podcast. Just just a guy with a vision and a dream and a will and just refuse to stop. And not everyone I along the way said refuse to lose <laughs> my bumping twenty twos. Not everyone believed. You know, we, we were thrown to the curb. He was thrown to the curb. But ultimately, the dust settled. Now, we don't claim to be, you know, that we're not quite the number one vodka in America. But he saw in us, well, really, some of his guys did in California, mainly Devin. uh, And they believed. And now they're a part of, I'd say, the number one podcast. Definitely independent podcast out west. There's nothing doing, you know, uh, not to boast too much. But we're just proud to have them. We we really are for the football season. Uh, And they represent a lot of our core values, right? Just (laughs) Try to do right by people to have a good product and, uh, you know, independently owned. Just and also built a lo- built a reputation. Tito's has on a quality product. Right. It, it's the, the label is not it's it's not fancy, but it actually is very it's got a good mix of like classy, but not yeah. too fancy. It works in any environment, in any circumstance. Nice party, beautiful wedding or just hanging out with, you know, Saturday, just hanging at somebody's house. Tito's works in every situation. Don't forget about the Tito's kickoff, John, the special drink you can make, right? We'll be, we'll be making those. Send us your photos of uh, whatever Tito's beverage you make, whatever you want it to be. But you can go with the Tito's kickoff, the uh, special recipe for the week, because, I mean, it's kickoff. This is me scrolling as I look for Here it is. Uh, the Tito's kickoff, John, it's very simple. It is Tito's. It is OJ. Two ounces of OJ, two ounces of soda water, maybe slice a little orange on top of that. Oh. And bam! Now we're cooking with gas, baby. That's going to work not only gas. Sunday. It's going to work Saturday when when uh, Oregon and Ohio State play at 9 a.m. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it, baby. Tito's, American-made. This is an American-made podcast. If you're listening to this, well, we had international listens, but listeners, but I'm sure many of you guys are also American-made, so we're just all in this together. Tito's. 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 Tito's, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. And please savor responsibly. And please also DM us, tag us, whatever photos of you hanging out. Yeah, that's key. Everything this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, watching football with alcohol, with cocktails, link us in those. Link us in your picks. I had the thought today, if you just work for Tom Brady's team, let's just say for Tampa, and you, you know, you know, scouts in the front office, you know, sometimes get their normal people hours. You know, you don't have to be there at like 530 in the morning, right? You can get there. You drop your kids off school, show up like 815. Can you imagine every day just seeing Tom like off days, like just beating you into the office? It'd be one thing if like Arian's the coach, like, well, he does a different role, right? But like, I would imagine Tom will be one of the first guys there tomorrow morning, right? Just get his rehab or whatever. Like the pressure you would feel just around, you're like, well, he's the greatest ever. Shouldn't I just do exactly what he's doing? Like he has a family too. Like I can't be like, well, I'm taking my kids to school. Like you don't think he wants to take his kids to school. 
It'd be hard to keep up, man. Probably tap out. I had somebody who was a friend of somebody who was at this wedding that Brady... Remember that? Was it, did this story become public, too, where there was that wedding in, like, the Caribbean uh, a few months ago? And Brady was out there, like, working out at, like, 5 a.m. on a local football field. Yeah, didn't, someone, didn't someone tweet out a video or something? Someone tweeted a video. I'd heard from somebody who, like, had a friend of that wedding, too, like, just who had gone by. It was just like... Somebody famous had had gone by like the public story was somebody famous had gone by like i don't remember who travis kelsey it wasn't kelsey but somebody like that right does that sound familiar wasn't like cameron was it his teammate or it was like another nfl player that thought this guy's yeah or was it like Vrabel or someone thought it was insane. somebody thought it was insane and i heard from somebody like that was a story from that thing it was no it was kingsbury it kingsbury was that's right that's right and i think <laughs> an nfl Kingsbury coach. told it to mcveigh too <laughs> yeah that's maybe that's where i heard it first but then i secondhand from somebody else as well that confirmed it but yeah, nuts. I mean, okay, so here's the deal. Joe Staley is on the podcast today. Who? Joe Staley! It's <laughs> a pretty good, like, uh, WWE type Joe, intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, late, but we are fired up. Because, Joe, but we came back to redo the beginning of the podcast. So don't forget, get in the mailbag. No mailbag this week. Mailbag will be back next week. Go to iTunes, leave a review. In that review, tell us your favorite bar and leave us a question simple as that yeah do that and anyone you know this weekend out and about watching football take us pictures of your cocktails send us pictures yep show, show it to, get other people to order the titos you order the titos keep sending us those photos uh before we get into anything else the stuff that's already recorded i mean what else is there to say about this guy what else is there to say about this guy i just started somebody texted me today they were like uh Sam Esfandari texted me. He's like, you know, uh, we were juniors in high school when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. <laughs> as I texted our buddy Devin at Tito's, I was like, Brady's been th- at this almost as long as Tito himself. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, he looks better. Did you see the graphic they did of how his release is faster than, it, than it's ever been? Yeah, he looks fantastic. I mean, that crypto commercial he does with Giselle, he, yeah. it just physically he looks – if you didn't know – like. I mean, he's so famous now. Everyone knows his exact age. Like, oh, yeah, he turns up 45 next. You know, you, every, people like know the day. He looks mid-30s. He, he really does. I mean, Rogers to me, I watched some of his interview with McAfee. And when he just comes out of the shower and his hair slicked back, which he looked like he did, he actually looks older. Yeah. Aaron looks kind of weathered. The man Tom, doesn't make Tom's you look go- No, it makes you look older, especially he doesn't. I don't know if Tom dyes his hair. You know, some of you like yourself are just lucky you don't have any grays popping out. But at 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 Tom's age, you would think he I mean, some guys his age are real like Aaron Rodgers, when he's forty four, how gray will Aaron's hair be? Like the pace he's on, right? Yep. He just doesn't look old. And physically, he had the one play where he slipped and he looked you're like, Oh, that, that's he kinda looked like fifty right there. Right? He looked like a dude would look at like a pickup Thanksgiving, you know, throwing the football if he tripped on like a hole in a grass. But other than that, he looks the exact. He just guy. He looks the exact same as he did like seven years ago. Let alone does like he two. look the same or does he look better? Well, their t- the team is stacked. I mean, that team. His to me, I saw someone tweet this, and I kind of agree. You could argue it's crazier 
that Gronkowski looks as sweet as he does right now, given what he looked like three years ago, then Tom just looks like Tom's always Gronk guy. Did you see how good Gronk looks when they shot up on his face? Yeah. I was like, God, did he lose some weight? I did wonder like if Gronk, if is there some weird logic that it actually makes sense that Gronk would be, I just noticed uh, re recording this podcast. I didn't even put my ham pod uh, backdrop. It's up. late, but you know. I, I did wonder like, is Gronk did, was Gronk so physically devastated by his NFL career? that it took literally a couple of years for him to get to like fully shake off the rust. Cause that's what it feels like. Right. That he's, well, he, that, but, but to me, the question was not even just shake off the rust. How do you shake off injuries? Right. He was just beaten down. He couldn't, you know, he had, remember he used to wear sure. like multiple Barry bonds yep. level. Like, yeah. When I say, he, are those even on there anymore? I, I didn't even notice. Them. I just mean, if he's got, if it took him some time to get his body back, like a couple of years, to get his body back. Like it was going to take his body three years to recover from the NFL if he had just retired. And instead, he started doing, like, I don't know, rebuilding it in some Brady-ish way. But don't you think, like, like for example, Calvin Johnson, who probably felt better a couple years later, but he, like, didn't probably said he couldn't come back. Like, a lot of guys probably feel better, but they don't come back. Right. Guy, tonight, if you just watch that game, you'd be like, do they have the best tight end in the league and all these sweet wide receivers? Guy, I mean, how awesome that one-handed catch and – how fired up was Jed Fish when they did his? Uh, they showed the video of them dropping the ball. Pretty great. That's why you I get Dak look good. I, I mean, I, honestly, guy, I had several thoughts. Like the Niners play these two teams pretty hard. You know, this, yeah. these teams like this. You know, Seattle, L.A., like the NFC. I mean, I thought Dallas is their their defense. I still wouldn't trust it, but their offense is Amari. Amari's elite. CD looks like he looks like uh, Jerry. Dare I, dare I say it? He reminds me of Jerry Rice again. I'm not saying he's as good as Jerry, but just the way his feet move, he reminds me of Jerry. The way he looks when he runs, that's all I'm saying. But yeah. he was incredible. I Yeah, like, you know, last year, week one, I said, I don't think Mike McCarthy's the guy. They hired the wrong coach. But right now, I look at it like, is their offense going to be so good that they're just going to win like 10 games? because of Dak and CeeDee Lamb, and they barely even used Ezekiel Elliott on Thursday night and Amari. You, but you, you, that's the thing. That, that was my thought tonight. Like, if the Niners, we'll see how the Rams and Seattle, who I think are going to be more pass-heavy, but if you just think about beating those guys in the playoffs. I saw Charles Woodson had a good tweet because everyone's like, what, where's Zeke, where's Zeke? They arguably have the best front seven in the league. Like, you can't just ram it. Like, Tam you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. No, so I, why wouldn't – their weakness is really their corners. And then Bunting, who's just another incredible pick by uh, – what's his name? Jason Light, who's hitting like gets, a 1,000 over the last three years. Gets collateral damage. Arm goes the other way. So they're into like backup DBs. You could say like – you know, now it's like the Warren Sharp. People are like, why are they throwing it so much? I look, Dak's got like 700 yards passing. I'd throw it on him too. What do yeah. you, you – I would not run it on – you see Devin White. No. He's like avoiding offensive linemen, just leaping on guys. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Patrick Willis on steroids? This is my point though. It was like Dallas wasn't – they didn't even use Zeke and they looked really good. Right, here's an early narrative for you. Um, Kellen Moore is going to get all the credit for the offense. Like Mike McCarthy well, – What's he doing? What's who doing? Mike. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, see, it's already. It's like Mike comes in, offensive guy. He's not going to get any credit for the offense. He's only going to get discredit for the defense. See, the narrative's already set up. <laughs> like, if what, I, like, what's going to happen? They might. Are they going to win nine games? That's it. Are they? Yeah. Are they not going to win ten? And then you could like, is Kellen Moore? Are they going to just do the Jason Garrett with Kellen Moore all over again? 
That's what it feels. That is my prediction right now. Is Jason Garrett the Jason Garrett is what's going to happen with Kellen Moore? He's going to get tr- the Jason Garrett. I tweeted out Dan Quinn's team haven't stopped the nosebleed in years. Now he's going to fix the Cowboys defense. Come on. I looked at my email. The header was middle finger, middle finger to moronic middle mouth. And then it then just this guy just wrote Quinn's defense forced four turnovers and held Tampa to 52 rushing yards. Well, Brady Shout threw out to a you pick. for getting an email. Yeah, well, Brady threw a pick at the Old end of the school. half, right? Brady threw a pick at the end of the half, threw it up. That doesn't count. His other pick went off Lenny's. I don't know. Everyone wanted. To, everyone told me it counted in the Super Bowl, John. Yeah, <laughs> Lenny, Lenny, Lenny threw it up, or Len, it went through Lenny's hands. The Godwin one, I get Dan Quinn. Like, I, I'm sorry, the Cowboys are just going to be dependent on Dan Quinn, whose defense. Because again, back to McCarthy. He knows nothing about defense because his defenses in Green Bay were never good, right? Because uh, I was thinking about this. Arian's team, they both do the same thing. They both love to throw the ball. McCarthy never liked to run it in Green Bay. I remember when they beat us in uh, my first year in Philly when they won the Super Bowl. It was like, you got to stop their passing offense. And James Starks ran for 150 yards. It was the most rushing yards like in the season for him. And then the next like five years when they went on their great run, they never ran the ball. Arians, as we know, we watch a lot of them with Arizona's pass happy. I'd even say more than McCarthy. But it does feel like Arians' teams, and it may be just because Arians kind of fucking nuts, are a little nuttier, right? And what I mean that in a good, like, football physical way. They're very physical. You watch the Cowboys, they do have, like, McCarthy's teams are always just kind of soft. Like, a- Arians' teams, for being a throw guy, throw first guy, Never feel like, yeah, they're just soft, running right through them. It's like at any moment you could just get taken out by an area. It's team. something about him. Well, it's him. It's 100% him. And clearly Mike, for being this Pittsburgh tough guy, his team's just like, – Dak's tough, but I don't give Mike any credit for that. Dak was tough before him. <laughs> you know? You're right. I, it's everything. It's like, I don't – what did Mike do? <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> it's, he's not going to get any credit for it, but his team is – his team is really offensively just so entertaining. Like – I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to do. If these guys are healthy, I'm not going to do that. Even if they're kind of struggling, like, oh, they're putting Dallas on TV again just because the Cowboys are such a big – like, they're wildly entertaining. They're fun. They're fun. And they and they did. Their kicker missed how many kicks? That's, An extra point and a situation kicks, yeah. on their hands. And it still took a game-winning Brady drive to beat them on the road. I still, you know, I don't know if you had this experience when the game started and they, like, go to the PA guys, like, here comes the Super Bowl champion. And even as he was about to say it, I, I, my brain couldn't accept that he was going to say the words Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won two Super Bowls in our lives. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, I will never get used to the, that logo and the Buccaneers will never get used to that. One of the highlights, first time, I don't know if you've seen, have they, this is the debut of the commercial of the crypto commercial with yeah, Tom. Yeah, I think so. Him calling the Boston bar. That and then him saying, like, we don't want you back. He's like, yeah, you would. He's like, you're right. <laughs> I had the thought, I think in in our lifetimes, that Jeter walk, you know, walk off hit was pretty cool. I think the intro to Tom that they do something special for him and the whole before the kickoff and that whole place gives him like a religious experience. Yeah. Is going to be an all time great sports moment in the history of the world. And, and they'll ask Belichick afterwards and be like, uh, the, you know, the other team's quarterback. Uh, I, I had the thought tonight even he'll put his headset down and clap. Don't I'm you think? Pretty, uh, he's just such, yeah. Yes. Yes. But I think that day, is that Sunday? That's got, I think it's Sunday Night Football. That's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, remember that was like the one. Remember there was some big battle over it? 
Yeah, they all wanted it. NBC got it. I think we discussed that being the most uh, desirable. Could that be the highest rated regular season game? Patriots. Bum, bum, bum. Patriots. uh, Bucks. Where's that game? I thought that game was kind of early. I thought it's week four. It's week four. Yeah, October 3rd. Al and Chris. Uh, Al and uh, yeah, five twenty p.m. So that's is that a Sunday? Yeah, I think so. So uh, that's gonna be that is gonna be special. Would you would you put Tampa at the top of your power rankings? I would. Um, I would. Yeah. Tough. I I did have the thought tonight. If the Rams pass more. Seattle obviously can pass a lot. That's the that's how you have to match up against them. Now you got to be able to block. We saw with Mahomes they couldn't block, but if you can just neutralize them a little bit, you can pass on them. Let's face it, the Niners do want to run first, and that's right. that. It's just the, the Tampa will sign up for a team that wants to run it. Like that's kind of a maps in the future. That matchup is conducive to Tampa to face a team that wants to run it first, right? In a big game, it's yeah. like okay, run it all day. Vita Vea? Holy moly. He back. That guy's good. <laughs> he says he was picking up centers. I saw somebody tweeted like, Vita Vea just committed a felony. I'll give, I'll give the Huskies credit. They've been on a lot of the right guys the last decade. Produced a lot of good pros on defense. Here's a stat. In his last five starts, Dak has averaged 52 attempts, and the Cowboys are 1-4 in, in those five games. I heard Coward do something on his TV show the other day about when the Cowboys were like winning a lot, Dak's first couple of years before he, you know, he started putting up bigger stats the last couple of years, but they weren't winning as much. They were a Zeke first team, and then he was like the complimentary piece. And now it feels like they're asking him to be like Rodgers. I, mean, I saw some people defense, on social. Uh, I, I saw some people on social media going like, you know, his arm doesn't quite look as good as it did. It was like, guys, Dak's never had a great arm. Like that's, he's not as mobile. You could tell he can't. Probably not as fast. That's his arm. Like he's yeah. Dak was always closer to Alex Smith, I think, than people realize. Just like he's just bigger athlete, mm-hmm. but his he ain't throwing the middle of the field seeds like Tom when no. he lets it rip. Nope. No, he is not. No, he is not. But he's got I mean, that's where okay, CeeDee Lamb, you gotta go catch it. Amari, you gotta go catch it. You gotta go get he it. He is pretty li- he is very likable. I will say that. He is Did you see you see I that mean, clip with the kid? The I saw the clip kid? with the kid. Patrick Mahomes. I just I watched. <laughs> I only watched one episode of Hard Knocks, and then I saw that clip. But after I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks, I think I might have said it to you or said it on the podcast or something. Like I get why they paid him. What they paid him. He is one. I mean, it's just hard to be easier to root for than Dak Prescott. I don't want to say he's more likable than Tony, but he's every bit as likable as Tony. If not, I don't know. He actually seems a little more normal. I don't know. He just. <laughs> He's, he's I, I'm I with you. He's incredibly likable. Right. I just think people, he just, you see it. And this is why I'm a sucker for bigger arm guys. This is why I was Trey and Fields over Mac. When you do have a little bit of a lollipop as a thrower, like it's, I, I do think if Peyton Manning had a little bit stronger arm, maybe as four Super Bowls, like it, there are just some of those maybe two throws a game. And now when you're throwing it 800 times, right? It's one thing if you only throw it 20 and you're already going to complete 15. But when you're throwing it 40, 50 times a game, that means you're probably pushing it down the field. And you saw a couple throws, you're like, uh, uh, it floats up there a little bit longer for the DB. Yeah, I mean, that's where right now it's like, for him, 
in the NFC playoffs, home field matters. But, you know, you're going to be playing in New Orleans. You're going to be playing in – where are you going to be playing? Well, I mean, Seattle, San Francisco, Seattle. Well, yeah. Tampa. Seattle could get a little – you know, Seattle can get a little. But Tampa's fine. Most of the good teams are warm. You're not going to Chicago right now. Green Bay would be the one – could you rain know, in Seattle. You, you maybe you got a place. Yeah, exactly. That'd be the one. Have you ever been Let's in Seattle when it was that cold? I've only been there a couple of times. It was rainy, but it's not like uh, it's like fifty-five. Yeah, I, no, I, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been. Cold. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. It's it's not Chicago. Green Bay would be a bad spot for him, right? In a January fifth game or yep. eighth game. Yep. All right, let's get on to the rest of the podcast, including Joe Staley. On to that. MyBookie.ag promo code HAM and the number one. MyBookie.ag promo code HAM and the number one. Uh, right now, they will match that first deposit dollar for dollar up to 1000 bucks. If you accept that bonus, you have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. You can also decline the bonus, but either way, use HAM1. Let them know that we sent you. What better time to get it started than, uh, than this weekend? Yep. MyBookie.ag promo code HAM1. We have the full college football slate. Oregon, uh, Ohio State, 14 and a half, yep. the latest that I saw. So yep. that's... That's an intriguing number. Obviously, the NFL slate, full go. We are going to make our official lock of the week and our official dud of the week. We did lock of the week last year. We're going to add, after going back and forth about how shitty certain games were, we are going to, as long as we can keep this, we're going to put $300 on the lock of the week. We're going to put $100 on the dud of the week. And as long as we can keep going, we're going to keep gambling that cash and hopefully just keep winning Lock, we feel pretty good about. We actually got off to a, a really good start. The dud's going to be fascinating. Yeah, last year, excuse me, We how long did we go before we ran out of uh, We definitely over? went 4-0, and then we got bored. Yeah, we got bored. We started making, we started doing parlays and doing some crazy stuff. I don't know if anyone has ever, I'm not aware of anybody doing a dud of the week in the history of pick making, right? You can find picks on every podcast, in every newspaper, on every radio show, on every TV show. Everybody's doing picks. But is anybody finding the worst game of the week and picking that and betting on that game. Yeah, we're putting our money. We're not just one thing I think is going to happen a lot in the media streets is a lot of people are going to talk about gambling. Ninety nine percent of them will never, ever put their own money. And listen, like everyone has a different amount of money, whether it's ten dollars, whether it's your Portnoy. How many units, John? How many units? Yeah. Are you have you ever put money on a game? Because if you don't, I don't want to talk to you. And or I don't want you to talk to me about gambling. If you've never just lost ten dollars, you know that feeling. I remember last year. Remember when Corona came, the sports came back, and you started gambling on EPL? You're like, this is and crazy. I was doing good, like, too. I was betting unders. Nobody was scoring when the sport came back. Uh, I know. So it's like uh, we're putting our cold, hard cash on uh, the lock of the week. I think it's really – we've been talking about it for a while now. There aren't that many huge discrepancy games. It's not like Tampa this week is playing Jacksonville and the Texans are playing – you know, the Rams, the, the only true game like that is kind of the Niner game, right? There's not that many playoff teams playing crappy teams. There are crappy teams playing crappy teams. And then it feels like there are several playoff level matchups. There's not many. There's not much of what we were looking for. We didn't have much to choose. It's not, remember last year, there would be several weeks where there were like two or three games we'd pick from. I feel this week there was really only one option that you felt kind of cocky about. Yeah. Right? Yep. We'll go through, through some other games here, too. By the way, Michael on YouTube says the Tito Parlay. Lock and dud of the week. I, LFG. I, I like <laughs> That's that. That's bold. Okay. So, promo code M1. So here we go. Let's talk about the lock of the week, the dud of the week, and then some other games that, that we like. The lock of the week, we've been talking about this for a while. 
we ha- we have a hard time finding another option outside of the 49ers covering against the Lions. As of this moment on uh, Thursday afternoon, <laughs> see, this is where you wait. Now the line is eight. We started talking about this game. Was it six and a half when we started talking about it? Is there a big difference, though, between seven and a half and eight? I mean, you know, the difference becomes probably when you get to like nine, nine and a half, ten, six and a half, seven. Yeah, to me, there's a big difference between six six and a half and seven and a half. Like, that's a big swing. Is the the thing with the halves, right? Once you get over the touchdown, a lot of it's backdoor covers type stuff. Do you see Jared Goff slicing and dicing people in the fourth quarter if they're down 25 and like getting a couple touchdowns and making that a, you know, an eight point game? Like, that's what I just don't envision happen. That's why I feel good about this team. It happened last year with the Giants and it happened with the Jets. They can't score. I'm, I'm betting against this team as I don't think, regardless of their opponent, they're going to struggle to score. And then I think they're playing a good defense. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the Niners, for all of the unknowns that happen week one, especially in Detroit where you've got a new coaching staff, we know that the Niners are very successful about Jer- over Jared Go- against Jared Goff. We've been talking about yeah. this for a while. It is, what did I call it last year or two years ago? Uh, gimme, basically. It's an automatic when this Niners defense plays Jared Goff. It's just he is, like most teams, you struggle against more mobile quarterbacks than can create outside of the pocket. That's not his game. The team around him is not as talented as it was with the Rams, and they had success against him in the Rams, too. Voted team captain in Detroit, uh, again, Motor City. I, you know, look, John, I, I'm you know who wasn't voted a team captain? Tua. Yeah. Mac Jones, rookie. But Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo was. <laughs> yeah. I, I just there's, there, there's just not a lot here. Now, D'Amico Ryan's first game as a defensive coordinator. Jimmy Garoppolo, we know at times, just can turn the ball over. But – uh, D'Amico's been on staff the whole time. They've been kicking true. his ass. Right. Oh, yep. You got guys back. We don't know defensively. Is Josh Norman starting at corner this week? Like, what is that going to look like? Luckily, Calvin Johnson ain't walking through that door, right? Like, that's part of my thing. If they had Marvin Jones, if they had Golden Tate, they had Calvin Johnson, be like, you know, this is kind of a weird matchup. Remember when the Niners played them the game before Jimmy tore his ACL against the Chiefs and they almost lost and Jimmy threw that pick six? That Stafford team, though, they just had weapons. That was a scary kind of shittier team. That, to me, this this does not reflect that. I also think this. Now, week one isn't a great barometer for this, but big picture, they are trying to reset. right? They are trying in a football way to do kind of a hinky. They just did it with Stafford, right? That was their blow up. Now, where it doesn't quite feel like hinky is they got back golf. But I bet they would justify it. We did it. We just we had money. Like you just it's not baseball where it's like we have to spend no matter what. We got the two first round picks. We need someone to play quarterback and we weren't going to use one of at least our high pick on a on a rookie quarterback. And we're not going to you can't make like a third rounder. You can't just make like Kellen Mond your starter taking the third round. So in a weird way, they're just kind of throwing golf to the wolves. Now, they would say, listen, he's paid thirty five million dollars. Like Dan Campbell's not walking around probably telling his coaches like we're trying to lose. But I do think if you start really like they might just be really terrible. I just I, I just don't see the firepower guy. Remember when they played the Niners in Levi's? It's like they had some players. They were explosive on offense. That's that's not this team. Well, and even you remember the the uh, Eagles team that gave the Niners problems. They at least had a quarterback that you thought could just make a play and kill you, right? Carson and he, Wentz. And he just, did, and he did, and that's you know that's what Matthew Stafford is. That is not the the case with this team. Their number one overall pick, Panay Sewell, 
clear that it's it's a work in progress with him at right tackle, right? You remember the wide receiver that Wentz hit down the sideline? Oh, it was a guy that no one knew who he was, right? But then Start, it turned last out last name starts with an F. Fulham, Fulgum, Fulgum, Fulgum. Yeah, yeah. I, not on the Eagles anymore. Oh. He's on another team. Can I daily fantasy him this week? Uh, I, I mean, I think he kind of got like pushed out. Of the, like he just wasn't good enough. That was like his high water mark. Remember, he was like an undrafted free agent. It was an incredible story. He had like a three week stretch where he had like three straight touchdowns. But I think that's maybe where his career peaked. Yeah, I don't know. I see some article from three weeks ago that he's on the bubble, so maybe they cut him. Uh, he could have his game, but you know, I hope he's not on the roster next week when the Niners play him from the Niners' perspective. But okay, there's our lock of the week then. I, there really wasn't a lot of other consideration here. Um, you know, that Bucks line for Thursday night got big fast. We weren't going to do the Thursday night game. You know, I a couple other games that are intrigued. Well, let's dive in. Before we do, you want to do dud of the week, and then we, I say we do. I say we do dud of the week. So right we, we, you and I argued the other day about what's a worse football game, what's a le- less interesting football game: the Giants game against the Broncos, or the Jags game against the Texans. I said I think Jags Texans is more interesting. You said you think Broncos Giants is more interesting. While we disagree there, we both agree the dud of the week is Jags Texans, because that game is just. I, I, I think it's about Trevor Lawrence that makes the game interesting, but that has the potential. I think that's a worse game. We agree on that. So that's the game we're betting on. Jags, Texans. That's this is the thing. Dud of the week. We find the worst game. We are we already spent some time identifying it this week. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's the to game. me the only to me the only question is I, I I feel not good about betting either side. Tyrod Taylor's their quarterback. Do you remember Week One last year? Before he got poked the second week, yeah, they barely beat the Bengals, yeah, and people were like, "What? What's going on here?" Because Anthony Lynn had been like, "We're not going to play the rookie. This guy's going to play," and then he looked terrible. This team is way worse than that Charger team. It is obviously Trevor Lawrence. I think there's some question marks with their offensive line. Even if they have a good week, like if you score 21 points, you know, throw two touchdowns, have another rushing touchdown, are the Texans scoring 10 points? Like to me, the under. Almost feels too obvious. Maybe, like you said, mentioned before we jumped on, you bet the over, but I, it does feel like the under is the play. Because you you could argue that the Giants-Denver game, which to me is a better version of the dud, whatever that over-under is in that game feels like an easier bet. Like there's going to be a lot of defense played under, in that game. Yeah. But that that to me is like, this is the true shittiest. Two shitty teams are terrible teams. I, I guess I would take the under because I wouldn't feel great betting plus three on the Texans. Yeah, that's I, the, I'm not comfortable with the Jags covering. That to me is the is is the deciding factor. Is this if we don't take the under, we have to take one of these teams. Who would you take if you got to take? one? I would of take them? the Texans plus three. I would too because I you, I just think they both stink. Would you rather take the Texans plus three than the under? Uh, see that no, that's what I'm saying. Is like now you have, you're going to make me choose one of these two teams. Well, we got to. Well, no, I know. That's where the under back. makes sense. The under makes sense in that I'm not hitching my wagon to either one of these two. If you bet the under, we're saying we think they're both inept. Yes, I do. I do, well, I too. Think the, I think the Jags could make some plays. Yeah, I, I see. That's, but are, I, the Jag, I, are the Jags scoring like 28 points? Like, think of what it takes to get to the over. Like, 28 to 23. You know, I mean, it's, it takes some points. Is that? I'm way over now, huh? It, it would take 23, 23, 22. Right. Like, that's a lot of points 21. in that type game. Yeah. 
Yeah, under. Okay. Could be some pick sixes and fumble sixes, though. That that's that. But could you get can't account. I mean, yeah. What, what are you going to do with that? That's this is the nature of. So we're going Niners minus. You said it's eight now. It's eight. And, and again, we said we got to wait till Sunday to make sure something weird doesn't happen. But you could argue lock that one in because is there anything that could happen that? I mean, Jimmy could fail a Corona test. So Sudfeld's the quarterback. I still might take the Niners to cover. Would be a little more nerve. Trey Lance has been throwing. Maybe it's Trey Lance. The problem would be the the problem would be is if Jimmy was out. I think I just think that number would come back to like six. That's true. We'd just be able to get it at a better, you know, value, time value money. So we'll go Niners, and uh, we'll take the under. Yeah, dud of the week. Dud of the week. We're taking the under on. um, What'd you say? What's forty-five and a half? Forty-five and a half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other any other games that stand out to you that you like? We don't. You could argue. You could argue. Sake. We lock in the under because only chance. Like if if one of those quarterbacks that got knocked out, that number out. could come down. It's a good call. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's lock that number in. So one hundred on that game, two hundred on. Is that what what's that we're deciding? We're going four hundred total, two hundred each. We'll go three hundred on, on the main Niners. game and a hundred just to dabble on the dud, on just the to, dud. so we can keep an eye on it. Yep. Nate says, I'm feeling, under I'm feeling like a time. I'm, I'm feeling like a zero zero halftime would be in great shape. Fantastic. We're going to be the only people watching that game. People are going to wonder, like, why are these guys watching that game? So, okay. That's what we're doing. Uh, any other games stand out to you? I'll tell you one I like New England minus three against Miami. Uh, I know it's Mac Jones' debut. I don't love that Tua, not the rookie, was not named a captain of the Miami Dolphins. I don't love that they've been spending a lot of time trying to replace their quarterback. Um, I do wonder if people are a little high on Miami given last year that maybe they are they a step back candidate this year. I think they might be. Um, so I'm, I, you know, their quarterback, their uh, sorry, their their coach against Mac Jones is scary, but Bill against Tua is scary. So I like I like the Patriots minus three against Miami. There's one. I love me. it. I mean, I, to me that feels like a lock. I mean, if I was a uh, big bankroll, like if I was if I was in Vegas this weekend, I would probably take a decent amount of money out of the old uh, savings account and maybe <laughs> plop that on that game. The game I really like Vikings at the Bengals. I mean, I just think the Bengals is that one six really and a bad. half. I, I saw a minus three. Oh, OK. I, I mean, that's that to me. If I wrote it down wrong, because minus three oh, feels yeah, like minus three. I, I mean, the Vikings are just good. I mean, they have really good players. I don't know if you saw the report. Now, Jamar wasn't happy with it. That said that, you know, he's not used to the non-white laces and not being able to see. Like, there's just a lot of weird stuff going on with the Bengals. I'm not saying the Vikings, you know, they could have a bounce back. But they're just way more talented than the Bengals. They, I, they should win that game by a touchdown. I'd be a little alarmed at this point. I'm a little alarmed. I, you know what I thought when I read that story about Jamar Chase? I felt sad. Like, I hope... That's not how the way this goes. Is that we spend a year talking about Jamar Chase can't catch? That would be sad. Now maybe he's just rusty. He said maybe I'm just rusty. Took a year off. I hope that's not. I, I, if he's great, if he's not, whatever. I just hope it's not like that. We don't have like some guy with the yips like that. Why well, even? Sad. I'd even say him and Sewell if they were to have bad rookie seasons. Most people view these guys as really good players. Like two of the top five players in the draft. If you rem- if you remove the quarterbacks. I would imagine most draft rooms thought those two guys were ballers. And now it feels like one guy's already got the yips. The other guy can't block. <laughs> it's like, holy. Like you said, there are no such thing as floors just because shit is hard. Jamar Chase, I, I know he took a year off, but he's a can't catch. Another, and you got another game? Oh, you yeah, just said he, a game. Sorry. Uh, I'll go. Here's another one I like. Jets plus four and a half at Carolina. See, I think I'd go Panthers. Okay. 
He Zach Wilson named a captain. Zach Wilson named a captain. That's a pretty good sign. I just yeah, Carolina. I, I don't know. I, I they could be they could be the sleeper team this year of just you know competing to get a wild card. Okay. I could see that. Okay, I could see that. So are you going to say you like the Eagles plus three? I like Atlanta? the I like the Eagles plus yeah whatever the point is. If they're getting three and a half, love them. I mean I think I think the Falcons are going to be pretty bad. I, I, I've I got him at three right now, Philly. I, I got him at three, too. I was driving around, though. I don't know if Tony Gonzalez worked out with Kyle Pitts, but I was in the car yesterday, and I was flipping uh, serious channels, and I came up on NFL radio, and I saw his name, like Tony Gonzalez. I'm like, I'll listen to whatever he's talking about. He was talking about Pitts, and he loves him. And he was just saying that, like, obviously he had played with Matty Ice, and he's like, Matt is so good with the tight end. And, like, I, what he did for my career – and this guy is infinite. He's just bigger and faster than Tony was. And he was just that could be a tough matchup. I, but it's like it's a lot to ask of a rookie. You know, the Eagles do not have great linebackers or safety play. Like who's covering Kyle Pitts on the Eagles? But it's like Kyle Pitts first game. I always wonder this with the rookies. Devontae Smith and Kyle Pitts are two good examples, right? They're both in this game. One guy was the 11th pick or 10th pick. The other guy was the fourth pick. They were elite college players like Two pound for pound, the best players, especially Devontae, because he weighs like 110 pounds. Are they like are some of the rookies just going to come out and just have 100 yards and a touchdown? I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're Arthur Smith and you're Matt Ryan, if you can't come out with a week one game plan that gets Kyle Pitts going, there's a problem. Yeah. Do you like Atlanta? I don't. I don't like Atlanta. Me either. I think it's going to be. And you've been on Philly as being a little underrated. How about Green Bay minus four and a half against the Saints? That game's being played in Jacksonville. That game got moved to Jacksonville. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers. Would you consider that a neutral site, or is that just kind of a desperation site? Well, it's both. Benefits. One team's used to playing. Now, Drew, I guess, is a little different. I mean, Jameis. I mean, they're a dome team. Well, they're a home field advantage team is what they are. Big time. We saw last year when they went there, one of the famous moments of 2020 in the NFL season was Aaron Rodgers getting the defensive line of the Saints to jump offside in the red zone. That's going to be a weird a hard crowd. Ca- That'd just be like if you just live in the area, you're like, I'll go see the Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you you're a Jags fan, you're like, who's NFL football? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a bizarre crowd. How about what do you think of that game? Aaron coming back with a vengeance, minus four and a half. I, I, I don't have a great to me. That game is mo- for me. That game is about Jameis. Yeah, I don't have a great feel for the Saints. Like, is Jameis going to be good? Because every so often, a star coach resurrects a player at quarterback. Right. We see it every five, ten years. A guy that it happened with Alex Smith. It happened once a time with Rich Cannon. Now, Alex was never good. Rich was never good. Jameis was never good. Right. He's never had like. He's never been a Pro Bowl player. His best year was a year where he also threw 31 picks. So when I say resurrect, I just meant a guy that was drafted high. It happened with Steve Young. Now, a lot of guys, it never happens. Right. I, I would not count Jameis Winston out as someone who just – to resurrect, you don't need to be Rich Gannon to win the MVP. Alex Smith was fantastic, right? And he was – a lot of people would argue he was never even like a top eight quarterback. He really was more like nine to 15. Can they get if they get that out of Jameis for like that five years, he will never cost as much as some of these other guys. They'd be in pretty good shape, right? Yes. I'm not sure just, that's what's gonna happen. Well, I don't know either. I'd say <laughs> right? to me it's less likely that that happens. Fun story though, if it does happen. Be great. Because I, I do think he's kind of a fun he people is. are just kind of he's like a magnet. People he have is. an opinion, good or bad. He's 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 entertaining. 
I think one of the best games of the day, though, is Colts-Seattle. Who do you like? Seattle? Mm, Three-point spread? I, I think betting week one, <laughs> unless you're going to do what we do for the lock of the week, is very, very difficult when it gets like two good teams or two bad teams. You really don't know. Like, Carson Wentz guy, 16 touchdowns, 15 picks last season. He was horrendous. Now, I, I think both you and a lot of people think that he can get it going again, but sometimes guys don't. don't. I don't know. But Colts, they can run the ball. They play defense. They're a physical team. Seattle's has definitely been the last couple of years a little softer version of what they were before. I don't know. I mean, I, I like Seattle. I pr- you talk to Seattle minus three on the road. I don't feel great about it because they tend. This is the game they play in. Is they win this game by three? They win this game. I agree. By they, three. They, they win <laughs> with a field goal. Like a game against the Jets by one at home. Yeah. But on the road, this is the type of game they usually win. There are a lot of to me the Colts though, pretty physical team. That's the thing. Like they're a physical team. I'll give you one more. Um, Christopher on YouTube says the locks, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Vikings. We'll get to the Ravens later in the show because they, I mean, it's a mess for them. The Chargers game for all the expectations. And I think the Chargers are going to deliver this year on expectations. I think they're a pick them at last I checked that at football team. Oh, now it's football team minus one. What's going on there? Because I like to me. 10 a.m. kickoff. That feels like a foot. That feels like a football team win to me, John. I would bet on the football team. Do you, do you like coach game one? Coach game one. He's been a coordinator for one year. His first game, three-hour time difference, West Coast to East Coast, against a football team that I would say three years ago, I would like the Chargers. This football team's got like some juju and, and Rivera. Wasn't funny. Just talking about it like this football team, but it's also their name. I know. Would it's you like see this John list? over here, this John Middlecoff. Did you see they found like uh, they they whittled it down to like uh, four into five names? What are they doing? Like, guys, make it a game. Call it The Bachelor. Do it every Thursday night on local TV and name your team before the season starts. What are you doing? But the football, team's, in- the football team's still alive. You see, well, they're, they're on the list. Yeah, well, I would name a football team. <laughs> but what are you letting this drag into the season for? Like, this should have been offseason footballteam.com content. Presidents is the worst one that I saw. You cannot name. They're the all bad. They're all bad. That's the. There thing. was one that wasn't bad, like the. The Red Hogs actually wasn't. Oh too yeah, terrible. Red Hogs is the one I like. I like Red Hogs or just Hogs. They could have yeah, the same logo as Hogs. ham. If they don't take Red Hogs, we should use whatever logo they had for our new ham logo. You just want to just pick. email Dan Snyder see if we can just have it? Yeah. Or, or yeah. they do Red Hogs and then we sue them. Like nope. We're ham first. We're picked. Well, no, let's just do. Didn't Mark Davis do that with the renderings? He just copy and pasted it and then uses it for his. Didn't he do something like that? Wasn't that with the Vegas Stadium? The same thing as the. I guess he owned. That's that right. One that's too. right. It was because they had already spent the money on the. I saw Jeff Schwartz tweeted the the uniforms that Oregon's wearing this weekend. Pretty sweet. And somebody or somebody replied to the Oregon like when they announced their logo was like that's cool, but North Texas already did it. And it's like nah, I'm pretty sure whatever <laughs> North Texas is doing, they took from Oregon. I don't think North yeah. Texas did it first. What what's the color are they using this week? It's all Yellow? white, but like bright green with like green wings, and it's looks pretty sick. Yeah. Well, you better play well. Yep. Um. Anything. Uh, yeah, I think those are, the, those are the games. I don't know what to do. Cleveland's getting six. That could turn out to look like value, but are you really betting against Kansas City week one? At home, too. In KC. That's probably the best game of the day, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, yes. I on, on, pa- on paper. On paper, yeah. Our Thursday night, Sunday night games could both be hmm, 
as we record this before Thursday night. I'm not expecting a ton, but all right. So that's good. That's our lock of the week, our dud of the week. Oh, somebody told us not that we're rec- we are not recommending this, but I think Michael said if you were to do the Tito parlay, as he calls it, not sure the Tito's has approved that one, they but not. Th- that's plus one sixty. Is what would we get if we did? What would it be if you did Niners minus eight and a half? And where's my Jags? Uh, do you As got- a pro- Listen, I'm pro gambling, and I've played, I would say, 100 parlays in the last five years. I've won two of them. There's a reason the odds are incredible, because they take money. I'm not the biggest Darren Ravel guy. I saw him tweet something out a while back that books, I mean, salivate over parlays from people. Two-team parlay is a little more doable, but... Most people don't do two-team no. parlays because you're always like, well, why don't I just add two more and I get well, it from two to one to eight to one? It happened to me last year when I was doing soccer, which I'd never watched before in my life. And I was doing, you know, an under, a Fulham, Brighton, Crest, under, and a, a, a Man U. I don't even know what I was doing. And you're just chasing. At that point, it was just you're just chasing. Yeah. I was just chasing. All right. That's good. Okay. Coming up later in the uh, – in the podcast, a conversation with Joe Staley, which was great. Joe's going to be part of the uh, NBC Sports Bay Area uh, 49ers coverage this year on the pre and the post game show. One of the things he said to us, which you'll hear later, is that he thinks this Niners team is more talented than the 2019 team that went to the Super Bowl. Did that comment surprise you? Uh, <clears throat> a little bit, yeah. Now, the difference, though, is there was a lot of unknown coming into that year. They had been bad the previous two seasons, right? They hadn't won. So when they started 8-0, it was a really big story because it somewhat came out of nowhere. Now, I did think people thought by that point in time they had just gotten Bosa. They drafted Debo Samuel. Jimmy was coming back off the ACL. People thought they could be competitive. And when we say competitive, you know, compete for like a wild card spot. I don't think most people, including ourselves – I would say anyone diehard Niner fan was picking them to be the number one seed, 13 and three. That was pretty, it was a pretty powerful year, right? Yeah. It wasn't completely out of nowhere. Like it wouldn't be the equivalent of like the lions making the playoffs or something, but it, the way in which they played was pretty nuts. So I, I understand it because this team is much more established. We've seen a lot of guys from that team play well. Like I have, we have evidence when Bosa's healthy, how good he is. They've at you know, they add Trent Williams. They had several drafts since then. Fred Warner and Kittle have really, really established themselves as elite players. So I I, I get it. Uh, I, I I think it actually makes more sense when I hear him say it. Now, once I saw that team play, I have a hard time like I'll be very surprised if like we're in December and that team is like when even even if the record's not quite as good, if if they're as consistently as badass, that team Every fucking week was just bringing it. Right. Guy, in their losses, remember the loss on Monday Night Football to Seattle? That thing was a war zone. But the overtime. It's like, yeah, so for 17 weeks, they were just a heavyweight fighter. How about the, the Ravens game was one of the most, I mean, that game was. Oh, my God. And then the, that the Saints, stretch, they, they Saints, kicked the Packers. Packers' ass. They came yeah. back and lost to the Ravens in the mud. Then they went out and beat the Saints in an incredible one of the best games ever. Uh, then they came back and they lost to the Falcons, right? 
And then it's like, well, God, now they got the Rams and the Seahawks. How are they going to pull this off? They just gave did it get, all away. Did get, walked, did get walked off by Julio. Got walked off by Julio. And it felt like they just let it slip away because they got the Rams and the yeah. Seahawks. Are you really going to win both those games? And then they came back and won both those games by a combined eight points or something like that. Yeah. Now, I will say this, to, specifically to the point that Staley made on the show. To me, the linchpin of the whole thing, because I think we could go position by position and go, yep, yep, this receiver group could be better than that receiver group that added Emmanuel Sanders like halfway through the season. Because like, who they really have to start the season, like Debo. They had Debo, right. I think, um, you know, from a corner standpoint, they did have Richard, and we talked about corner depth here. But if Verrett's healthy all year, we'll see what they get from the rest. Were they great at corner? No, they were switching guys in and out in the Super Bowl. I, the linchpin of the whole thing is Kinlaw. Like, that's, like if we're going to say this team is more talented in the end than the 19 team, Kinlaw doesn't have to be as good as Armstead, but he's just got to be good enough that this because de- the defensive line was so dominant that year. You see, you see. Well, I, I haven't seen the practice report yet. But on Thursday, on Wednesday, he was a DNP knee. I, whereas Armstead right. was one of the most impactful players in the NFL that year. But but Kinlaw is not replacing Armstead. He's replacing Buckner. And Buckner. Sorry, was I didn't mean Armstead. Player. I meant Buckner. I meant yeah. Buckner. So it's like. I, that already is an L. Like I, I think it's fair to say it would be one of the greatest upsets in American athletic history if Kinlaw becomes a better player than Buckner. Everyone would agree, probably beside Kinlaw's family, might still argue that. Like even a diehard hashtag faithful type person. But can he just be like a really good player? Just someone where you feel like, you know, this guy's a better player. I don't know how he's going to look tonight, but clearly Vita Vea. I'm saying his name right? Yeah, Vita Vea. Remember last year he shattered his leg? But those first couple years, people were like, you know, did they overdraft him? And then by last year, once he got with Bowles, you're like, God damn, this guy's an ass kicker. And he just kind of had found his niche. Can this guy – see, I think you even question, like, when he's on the field, is he that impactful? I'm even like, I'll take a step back. Can the guy just – can I just count on this guy for 35 snaps a game? Like, I I would say right now my answer would be hell no. Right? He's just not a dependable player. Like, that's the one thing I'll give Armstead a lot of credit – Armstead really, and I would have bet against this three or four years ago, Armstead is very dependable. Like I, I don't know how good he's going to be on a weekly basis, but I feel very confident 91 is going to be there, right? I just He's just going to show up. Now, I think you want more because he looks so big. Now, he doesn't look big. He is massive, but he plays. And I know that if he's got enough talent around him, Armstead's fine. Armstead would make – he would start for every team in the league. Like, can – can we get to a point by midseason like, oh, Kinlaw's the type guy that every team in the league would want? Like, I, right now, that's he's a pretty big question mark. But I'd say he's is he their biggest question mark right now? Yeah, besides like obviously quarterback play. Yeah, besides quarterback play and health, everything they drafted else, him fourteenth. Everything else, and but the the deal was never he has to be better than Buckner. That was never the deal that we all made. Together, no, it was a right? money move and a big. And it was IU, move. you know, you add somebody else yeah. and okay. But to me, if we're gonna, if this team's gonna look like they're more talented. I think they can definitely be more talented at receiver with Ayuk. Kittle is Kittle, right? Um, at offensive line, they got, ironically, as you brought up to Joe, we talked to him, Trent Williams over Joe Staley, which is kind of crazy. You wish well, you had both Mac. those guys. You had Mac. The running backs, I mean, Mostert, um, Sermon, I think from a talent standpoint, Hasty, Brita was really good. Um, use check is use check. Defensively, it's pretty similar. Fred Warner, you'd have to argue, is 
probably better he's, than he he's was better then. now. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's that crazy. I I think Joe's onto something, but it, it's going to be hard to say it if the defensive line isn't more productive than it was that year. Would you rather take a pick when you draft high and just go, we just whiffed, you know, an AJ Jenkins, just the guy is not good enough. Or would you, or would you rather have one where it's like, you know, a Reuben Foster, whatever, off the field issues, a Kinlaw, let's just say he just always is battling injuries, but you go, God, the talent was there. You just, we just couldn't keep him on the field. doesn't matter. Yeah, you could argue it's irrelevant. I, I think the, the difference would be with A.J. Jenkins, you probably cut bait faster. He's also like 29th pick or whatever it was, right? It was at the end of the round. Yeah, I mean, like... There, there is a difference for example, between pick 28 and pick 14. There Solomon is. Thomas at least played for the 49ers, right? A.J. Jenkins didn't even... He didn't bring him anything. Yeah, I think Cleveland Farrell and Solomon Thomas are two examples of like, clearly those guys should not have been picked third and fourth. But for however many years, they just you, they played a ton of snaps for you every every game, right? Until obviously Solomon snapped his leg or whatever. But those guys were just they're not good. What you would want out of the position, but they're NFL players. You can play with them. Yeah. Kinlaw, what would you put his over under on starts this year? Double digits. I mean, if you told you me good? right now like they ten. play 17 games, he starts. I mean, 14. We would obviously both take that. What's the number you would roll? Do you the feel dice? confident he gets a 10? I mean, 10. 10, you're getting close to half the season. Yeah, I know. I don't no. think they would sign up for that. Unless you would not they take 10 right now. You would take right 14, now. but you would not take 10, I don't think. You'd try to get more. You would not take 10. 10's. Because 10, well, if he's not, if 10, if he doesn't start 10, that means he's missing, right? Yeah, he's now. Out. Here, if I was going to play counterpoint, I'd be like, all right, guy, great take. Kinlaw is the linchpin, whatever. If Bosa plays 16 or 17 games, you are pretty deep on the defensive line. Like, like that was they didn't want to cut anybody. They we went to practices. We saw these guys. Like they do have good. But players. the but the way they made the Super Bowl was they had by far Agreed. those four guys beat the shit out of everybody. I know, but if I told like you Bosa, right now, Bosa can't. Bosa obviously, I'm depending. I am chalking up Bosa for a lot. But a little go back to like Khalil Mack with the Raiders. Let's say Bosa does like something like that, where he's just like one of the best players in the league. To be a great unit and just a great defense, you do need those other guys to kind of fucking be part of it. Agreed. And Armstead is very dependent on other humans. Yeah. But if I told you right now, you get 16 games out of Bosa, can they be a top eight defense? I think you'd say yes. I think they're deep enough on the D-line. If you got that from Bosa, you feel good about Armstead, that's enough. So Uh, I agree. So Joe, I mean, he was around it. Like, he's seen it. You know, this is Joe Staley we're talking about here. Buckner is one of the more dependable players like the last decade. Buckner, yeah. But DeForest, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it I, just show, it just does show you, I think, two good examples, right? I mean, obviously, they would have done the equivalent. Like, if they could have got rid of Buckner for a Trent Williams, the equivalent of defensive tackle, they would have. Like, it's not always that easy. They needed the money. It was just a complicated situation, and they made a tough decision. That's part of the business. Belichick's been doing it for years. You're not always going to be right. When you do the when you do the plug and play guy, when I get rid of someone to go sign, you know, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs available or whatever, you just know what you're getting. There is much more unknown, and we're seeing it right now with Kinlaw, and he's going to be a fascinating guy to watch when you do it for a draft pick. Because the moment the trade's made, you're like. It sucked, but I would say most Niner fans are like, damn, we just got pick thirteen. Because remember, they traded, but they got thirteen right off the bat. It's like, okay, that's 
I didn't want to trade DeForest Buckner, but at least they got a boatload back. But then ultimately, then you got to turn that in. The, and they did. Like They got Ayuk was part of that ultimately with that trade back. But man, that Kinlaw, it'd be one thing if he was a corner or a wide receiver. I mean, he is a defensive lineman, right? He, he should be one of their core guys. I just don't even know. Like, I know he's talented, but the knee thing, man, I just – huge guys. That's, sometimes that stuff doesn't go away. No. Uh, Nate on YouTube says, so if Ayuk misses a lot of time this year, some of you will say he's a bust too? No. I mean, clearly Brandon Ayuk has the talent to be a really good NFL player. Right now, availability, you know, he's we, – we just got to get – I don't want to go four weeks and then one week with a groin and then six weeks and then one week with something else, a hammy. So that's going to be a part of his story. But he is – there is no – like, I think there is a question right now if Kinlaw is healthy for 17 games, is he an elite first-round level producer? IU clearly yeah. is that. Like, there's no question about that. Yeah, I agree. Bust is not on the table from a production standpoint for IU. No. Well, he's already – he was already productive as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, he's – With bad quarterbacks. So – all right, John, uh, before we go any further, let's tell the people about DraftKings. Our DraftKings game is full. You got left out. Here's the solution. Get in our DraftKings league, which is linked in the YouTube and in the podcast. Join the league. That way you are the first to get the invite to our game next week when we set it up again. It's 200 people in this game. That's as big as we can make the game. Maybe we can make bigger yeah. ones. I don't know. But promo code ham sign up right now get yourself ready life's all about preparing get yourself ready for week two right now sign up with code ham here's the other thing you don't have to be in our game sign up with code ham and get in a bunch of DraftKings games you don't even have to if you're stuck with gus edwards somewhere somebody is stuck with gus edwards and now go play daily fantasy that's the, that's the lesson here you know what i might have set my lineup last night when I was just kind of laying in bed before I went to bed, I'm like, I'm just going to put together a phantom lineup. Cause what you do is you get $50,000 and different guys are, you know, have different amounts next to them and you got to fit in your lineup in, under the salary cap. Kind of like, I guess we wouldn't, Gus wouldn't have been in our game because we're only doing Sunday only. But if you, if you want to do that, you never get stuck. DFS is the only way to go. Download the DraftKings app, promo code ham. I can't recommend enough. We've been loyal DFS players. I mean, you're talking about two guys that never played fantasy our entire life Straight up until haters. like two years ago. Straight and haters. And now I, I, if I'm in the mix, it's fun. I am a believer. Yep. DraftKings, promo code HAM, sign up right now. Get in a game this weekend. You want to play a $2 game? It exists. You want to play a $100 game? It exists. And also get in the Haberman and Middlecoff League. We'll be playing every week at DraftKings, promo code HAM, when you sign up. Also, podcast brought to you by Manscaped. Dot com promo code ham for 20% off and free shipping. As someone DM me on Instagram, you guys, I send you photos of my Tito's. Should I send you photos of me using my lawnmower 4.0? No, you should not. Send oh, those. Yeah, to yeah, your no, definitely not. No. <laughs> send send those to your wife or girlfriend. Because here's what the lawnmower 4.0 is for. It's for the male pubic region. And we all know that sometimes you get it gets bushy down there. You know, it's just it's needs to be cleaned up and you need to trim the cojones. Well, here's the thing about the 4.0 and it, I could speak for the 3.0 and the 2.0. They were safe. I never had to worry about nicks and cuts. I've never been cut from using any Manscaped product. It really as someone who's been trimming now for probably 15 plus years, it is easily the best. Yeah, I mean, I started getting it probably 
first couple of years, you just let it grow. You know, she's so proud to have some something down there. And then you realize, you know, you got to keep that thing trim. And that's where the lawnmower 4.0 comes in. But free shipping, promo code HAM. They also have the nose trimmer. So if you got some, uh, you I know, some to. hair sticking out, you go, you put that bad boy in there and you cut it because you don't want to be, you don't want to be tweezing, right, guy? Because that gives you a, tweezing. You don't want to be. You, you get scissors up in there, and now you're. Oh, you know, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Oh. You're one little slip away from a nose ring. So. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to be doing that. I could see you with a nose ring. You think? Would you do the Zeke Elliott diamond? If you bought me a $15,000 diamond, I'd put it in my my nostril. I probably would too, actually. <laughs> and then a week later, I'd sell it. Yeah. All right, John, why, what, do you, what, what do you say we get to Joe Staley now? Let's do it. You can catch Joe Staley. We'll talk to him about it. NBC Bay Area, the Niners pre- and post-game. It starts 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Joe will be there for the pre-game. He'll be there for the post-game. And uh, anything else to say before we get to Joe Staley? Can't wait to talk to him. He's great. Great guy. Here we go. Joe Staley. NBC Sports Bay Area. Niners pregame live. Postgame live. Joe Staley, media member. Laura Britt and Dante Whitner and Takeo Spikes and Matt Mayoko and Jennifer Lee Chan. Debut Sunday, September 12th at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. It's going to be like your first. You think it's be like, um, you know, the first game you played as a rookie? It definitely has that feeling that I'm a rookie all over again. I know we shot some rehearsals and we did like the season preview show last week. And I definitely had those rookie nerves. Like it wasn't even as a rookie in the NFL. It was more like being a rookie in college or even in high school again, because it's completely brand new. I can speak and I can ask, be asked questions, but giving uh, like hot takes and <laughs> analysts and, you know, doing that whole role is something brand new to me. So just as simple as like, what do I do with my hands? You know, when I got on camera the first time, I was like standing. I don't know if you can see, but I was like standing like I was like a, <laughs> I was in a choir or something. <laughs> my buddy, he watched it. He was like, dude, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, I, I'm just trying to figure this out, man. I'm going to be taking some bumps along the way. You, you know, what's crazy when you're a pro athlete, like, you know, you, you know, a lot of people would say you live the dream, right? You get to play pro sports, especially your career. You get to go to playoff games, a couple Super Bowls. I'd argue you got to live the American dream. You retired at 36. You retired. That's everyone wants to retire. You retired at 36, and now you're coming back to the workforce. What are you doing? Yeah, everybody thinks they want to retire at 36, and then when you're actually 36 and you do retire, you realize there are a lot of hours in the day, and there's a lot of time to fill. Unless you're, like, really passionate about golf, or being a stay-at-home dad, which I love my kids, but spending 17, 18 hours in the house with them is a little bit um, more than my uh, more than more more than I can chew. So it's uh, I just missed the game of football this last year. I missed being around it. Uh, I just have such a passion for it, especially the 49ers. And I just thought this would be a really uh, cool way of myself getting back into the game. Um, always was curious if I was gonna you know, at least try my hand at the media side of it. You know, I always had a really great relationship with the media and always respect the job they did. And so just to be on the other side of it and see if I, you know, really enjoy it. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun for everybody. So have you, what's been, were you watching games at all last year? Were you casually watching games? Would you watch like game pass on a Monday for a little fix? What was your. Very casually watching games. I was watching as a pure fan. Um, I did get the Sunday ticket. Um, just so I could watch the Niners down here in, in San Diego area. And 
Yeah, while I'm saying that as a casual fan, I did find myself getting uh, pretty emotional in the games about different things, especially last season with the way the 49ers season went. Um, but I wasn't watching. Once the game was done, I wasn't going back and watching film or um, breaking it down or anything. So there was none of that for me. I was just uh, enjoying the game of football and, and cheering on the Niners. I saw Kyle when you joined the team for those couple days down in Southern California when they joined practice, the Chargers. I think he said in a press conference, maybe when he was down there, maybe right before when it was announced you were going to go, that he had reached out to you just to see, you know, if you got the itch when the season ended, if you wanted to join the staff. How did that, I mean, is that something that you thought about or was it an easy conversation saying no? I think that was overplayed a little bit about me joining the staff. I think, you know, I think he wanted to gauge my interest of potentially becoming a coach down the road. It wasn't like he was like, Joe, I've got a spot for you. It's yours. If you want to take it, you know, it's not that process. I still have to prove myself and obviously going down that route if I want to become a coach. Um, But right now is no, because like you said, I retired at the age of 36 and the coaching lifestyle is a, I mean, 16, 17 hour work days. It's even more intense as a football player. And I love the game of football right now, but I have two daughters that are seven and four and I want to spend as much time as I can. So I think this is the, this role I'm in right now with NBC Sports Bay Area is a good compromise of both. I get to be around the game of football, study it during the week, kind of like I did as a player. And then, you know, be around the team, watch the games, give my takes, and then get back to spending time with my family when I'm at home. So is, is, so, coach, is coaching off the table, you think, big picture or, or is it something? Not, not completely off the picture in my life, but currently at this point where I'm at right now, it is um, just because of that time commitment right now. I know my kids, if they get older and want to be a part of their, you know, going to my, going to soccer practice, softballs, um, you know, my daughter, oldest daughter is just starting that whole youth sports circuit. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be able to spend time and watch those games and you know, be that dad for her. So what's your, give us your, you said you got to have takes now, yeah. but like, like in terms of things you believe right now, like, is there something you feel really strongly about, whether it's the Niners, whether it's, you think there's somebody that's a favorite to win the championship Garoppolo and Trey, like what, what do you really strongly believe right now? I strongly believe this is uh, I mean, so the hot takes is not, that's not my, so I'm going to, I'm going to say this first, like, so I think everybody on a roll of the show that we have with Dante and Takeo and everything, like where I can add perspective is a guy that was recently in the locker room and kind of has it behind the scenes of like the players and the coaches mentality. So I think I can add a lot to that. As far as hot takes, like I'm not going to come out here and say, this guy stinks. This guy needs to play better. I mean, I give my analysis, but it's going to be fair. What I really believe with the 49ers is they have a, I think they have a more talented roster this year than they did in 2019. I think they're going to be, Really leaning heavily on the run. I think the Jimmy Trey thing, one of the things I talk about that whole scenario is that Trey, we have the luxury of being able to sit and wait with Trey, which is really exciting for this football team because everybody sees the shiny new car that's in the garage and everybody's, and and rightfully so, it's really exciting what he's going to be able to do with this offense and especially paired with Kyle and the way he sees the game. But to go out and like play him right away, I don't think is the right move because you don't pay Jimmy $24 million to sit the bench. And then once Trey's the lead guy and you make him your guy that you're going to go with, there's no going back. It's not, and we saw that in Miami, it's not a situation where, Hey, we're going to go with Tua. And then all of a sudden he went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That messes with the quarterback's confidence coming out of college. Um, 
I think that's the exciting thing about this situation is that they have the luxury to be able to wait and develop Trey in the passing game. Um, you know, it's not Madden. I don't think someone coming in is just plug and play. It's you have to have an understanding of coverages and blitz packages and how defenses are going to, um, you know, defend you. And then also once you have film out there as a quarterback, you know, what can you do off of that? Because you're going to get a lot, a lot of different looks because people are in these coordinators are smart in the NFL. Um, that's a long winded answer. Um, as far as hot takes, you I mean, you probably just have to give me a question. I can probably just give you my take well, on it. I'll give you one. Trent yeah. said the other day, within the last couple of weeks that when he first got here, Bosa was healthy and he went against him. And you know, you saw Bosa, he was obviously really good, right? I mean, he was, he was awesome. And then he gets injured and he's like, I see him now coming back. I think he's even better. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we all thought he was going to be good. Obviously his brother, you know, but he was remarkable in 19 yeah. and now like how good you've been around some excellent defensive players in your time, you know, obviously in the Harbaugh era with some of those guys up front, yeah. how, how good can this guy be? Unbelievable. And I think what was so, and I completely agree with Trent's assessment. He's the one that's blocking him, but just the two days and three days that I was around the team, I saw someone that was a completely driven to prove that he's back and better. And I think that's the cool thing about Nick is that he's a very process driven athlete. You know, he's very, very regimented in what he, what he does and he's very goal oriented. So for coming back from an injury, like a torn ACL, if you set the standard, it'd be like, Hey, you have to be here in a month. Or if you set a benchmark of like, Hey, in three months, I want you to be able to do this, this, and this he's going to exceed those every single time because the way his mind works and the way he was raised. I think what made Nick so impressive to me in his rookie season was there was no learning period for him. He came in the first day that I went against him and was like, this guy is already studying my set. He already understands where my deficiencies are. And he's going to be the one that makes me better this training camp, not me making him better. He already is a polished pass rusher and he understands like the art of pass rushing, not just, Hey, I'm athletic. I'm big. I'm going to try to use my athleticism to win, which a lot of rookies coming into the league takes them time to do that and figure it out. But Nick had that from day one. And then I think that coupled with the way his mind is and wanted to always prove to himself and other people that he's better than these expectations. Um, I know he told me personally, he's like, I've, cause I was kind of razzing him a little bit about, yeah, I don't know, man, he came back from an ACL. He might've lost a step a little bit. And he looked at me dead in the eye and he was like, no, I've gained a step. And I was just, I was like, all right, sorry. <laughs> he's intimidating dude, man. And I was like, all right. But he didn't say it like with enthusiasm. He's like, no, I, I gained a step. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Bosa. Yeah. That is a good Bosa. <laughs> you have to do it with the arms though. His arms are always like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what his six pack abs are sticking out of his, you know, and he's got the thing rolled and up like biker shorts. Yeah. Oh dude. I was crushing him. I saw a picture of the first like two days of camp and I was like, what's up with your uniform right now? And he goes, what? I'm wearing my shoulder pads and my pants. I'm like, your pants are barely covering anything. And then your, your shoulder pads, like I've never seen someone roll it up so much. He's just like, yeah, it's just, I, I just like, you know, I get hot. and just, <laughs> just like what I, I'm like, no, you want everybody to see how hard yeah. you're working. I get it. We, John and I talk about this all the time. There's two types of people, people who play pickup basketball and hope that no one says you guys want to go shirts and skins and people that hope somebody will say you guys want to go shirts. And people skins. that just walk on the court and go, Hey, we're skins. Yeah. <laughs> <Take it off. laughs> like, you know what guys, I'll get the next, 
I'm going to go hey, play girls, basketball. Come over here and watch us. We're going to play basketball. <laughs> you know what's funny is we're all around the same age, 35, 36, 37. Most of us, as we get around that number, we add pounds and we fight like hell, right? You, you go the other way. You go the Alan Fanica. I mean, you yeah. look fantastic. Are you one of those classic like 310? You're a natural 240 guy yeah, and you had, had to fight it to be 310. I had, a, I had to really try hard during my playing days and all seriousness, really try hard to keep weight on. You know, if I wasn't eating a ton of food during the season, it was you know, I would notice my my poundage slip just during the, the week and daily. So I had to play basically bloated my whole entire career. So once I was done and able to eat this like normal just for like health and energy, it was unbelievable how much better I felt. And I, um, you know, was able to shed some weight pretty quickly. Well, like what was a Joe Staley meal like on a like a Wednesday of a game week or just whenever a big eating day? Like, Anything what- and everything. And I ate probably like six, seven meals a day. Like it was just like always eating. Like if I, ever, I never felt, I never had the feeling of being hungry ever, oh, oh. you know, and it's, it's kind of a messed up thing to say. Um, but that was, uh, that was my life in the NFL. It was just eat, 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 and try not to throw it up when you're practicing. <laughs> See, I, I think our guy, we're, we're Jim McElwain guys. I, I do think he would have kept you at tight end. If you were at central Michigan, like, do you think you could have, if you were coming out now, high school, you would have stayed at tight end. Was that, would that be a possibility now? Now? No, no, no. Um, Cause I wasn't, I mean, the athletes that come out of college now at the tight end position, I mean, I'm gonna, I would have been a straight inline blocking guy, even, you know, if I would have been lighter, I just didn't have that uh, quick twitch, you know, at the tight end position, I was more straight line speed uh, when I played tight end. But I think back then I could have, I could have made it work. I think, you know, I would have developed and probably been about a 260 pound guy like I am right now. And that was one thing that I had coming out of college and I was, you know, out of high school, I was a track guy. I almost went to college actually for track instead of football. And I always had that speed, but I would have developed, I think, the you know the shiftiness and the moves and all that crafty stuff that comes playing tight end. You know what's crazy? I was telling Guy before we hopped on with you, most teams when they lose a left tackle and you're probably, you know, top three or four offensive linemen, like nine or history, it's a problem, right? I mean, it's just hard to replace that position. Somehow your retirement came out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, at least for us on the outside, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they had Trent Williams off the couch like it was a pretty seamless transition. You know, Aaron Rodgers complaining, no one ever tells him what they're making moves. We're like, you part of that whole personnel move? Obviously, you're telling them, you know, you're thinking about leaving. Yeah. But did you know the Trent Williams thing was also brewing? Like, were yep. you playing a little assistant GM there with Lynch and Peters? That was uh, that was very coordinated. I That was one thing about me is I've had so much pride in, in the 49ers organization and what – they've done for me in my life and what I was able to do for them. I mean, not just on the field, but just what they've meant to me and the opportunity that I have to live the life that I did. And one thing that was really important to me, because like you said, it was unexpected. You know, I wasn't after the season, after the Super Bowl, I wasn't expecting my neck to be as messed up as it was. And I was in constant contact with them. They knew exactly where I was, you know, where my thinking was going to be. And then once I finally made that decision, I wanted to make that decision because I could have gone down the route of being, Hey, I'm going to just see what happens and I'll, I'll go to training camp and not, I mean, and knowing full well that my neck wasn't going to be good, but you know, I could have played the selfish route. Like I'm going to make sure I get my money. I could make sure I do this and that to take care of myself. But 
know, I, I earn, I want to earn everything that I've been given. And, you know, that's not in my character to do that. So it was important for me to be open and honest with them. And also for them to have a transition plan on a new Kyle's relationship with Trent um, and that seamless fit. And I thought, you know, it wasn't me bringing it up. I think it was them, you know, working the pieces, obviously, but I knew all that stuff was going to happen and it was announced in the way that it wasn't a surprise. And so no one could like outbid the Niners or all that stuff. So it was done in a hush hush way. The, the final gift, you know, we I, I was, I was thinking about your, I was telling John, like your football life, you've had some pretty crazy moments over the course of your career, like high highs, low lows, the biggest stories in the NFL, you've been around them. It feels like every year. There was the, I was watching Field of Dreams the other day, and uh, James Earl Jones does this speech, which they made into a commercial now, which is like the one constant over history has been baseball, right? Like, <laughs> like they could do the speech about Joe, but instead of like the railroads and wars, it'd be like Singletary dropped his pants to Alex Smith, to Harbaugh, to Chip, to Colin, like on and on and on and on. What's like, what was the craziest part? Like, if you look back, what's the craziest? You've answered questions about some of the craziest things in the last 15 years in the NFL. What's the craziest? That, I mean, just all those things. It's, um, and I'm ever, I never, I always get surprised because I, I have been a part of so many memories and that's all kind of just jumbles together, especially if you play somewhere for so long. And you kind of focus in on like what your last memories were. So a lot of my memories from football come from like the Shanahan era and all that stuff because it was fresh in my mind. But I mean, just you bringing up Singletary, dropping his pants in the locker room and threw a chair actually against the wall and it stuck in the drywall. One of the legs stuck in the drywall. And it was a really serious, tense moment in the locker room, but we were all like wanted to bust out because just the picture of it was like some from a Hollywood movie that I was like, are we part of this right now? Like a halftime speech where he's throwing a chair, sticks in the wall. You might as well let these guys come in here and tell you to pull your pants down. Like there's a lot of stories that we just really laugh about now. Um, the whole you know, Singletary speech after his first game where he sent Vernon Davis into the locker room. Um, I still get a, we want winners. That was always a great one. That's a good one. That's a good um, one. Just funny press conferences that we've had throughout the years with like Jimmy T he farted sure he farted no question <laughs> I think Jimmy farted every every like five minutes of his life <laughs> just a man what, just, what, he's what, a man's man he's a guy from Pittsburgh area you know Pittsburgh PA it, it, it I remember being at a practice probably either his Kyle's first or second year and you really saying his praises and What's crazy is obviously the Harbaugh era. I mean, you know, you've lived in this area long enough. That was a really big deal around here. It was badass. It had to be for you as a player, but for fans, it was sweet. I mean, you guys took the NFL by storm. Then those couple years with Chip and Jimmy, it was just kind of got ugly, right? Just the narratives and the negativity. Yeah. And Kyle kind of brought, even though you guys didn't win right away, obviously you trade for Jimmy, I guess, that first year and won those last five games, but it just felt very normal again. And I, and even different from Harbaugh because Kyle was, you know, we talk a lot about Kyle, the narrative from him, like as an assistant coach, everyone like called him an asshole. And then he's been here and everyone like loves him. He's just like mm -hmm. nice and cool on press conferences. What were your expectations when he showed up? And then right away were you like, I'm going to be throwing, I'm going to be having 4th of July with this guy like four years later. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, the first Impressions of him, obviously, as a player, you know how successful. And I've always wanted to play in his scheme. You know, from afar, I 
kind of was after all the coaching changes, I was kind of pigeonholed into a power, you know, power zone, maybe inside zone scheme a little bit my whole entire career. But I always wanted to play in that really fast play action, uh, bootleg, wide zone scheme. And I know he was the best at it. And, and talking to a lot of players, too, the way that he conducted meetings and the way that he shaped uh, his offense and called plays there. Everybody said that there's no one better as far as X's and O's in the league. So immediately he had my respect level because of how well he was spoken in around the league. And then meeting him and, you know, wondering how he's going to be as a head coach, like you said, from being a coordinator his whole time, the narrative wasn't that positive. I was interested to see how he was going to be with the team and uh, handling all these different situations that they came up. And he's been from day one, he was unbelievable because of the way that he relates and he's open and honest in the communication. I think he doesn't have that system of me being like, I'm the head coach, you're the players and I'm in a different category than you. It's more of, this is a family. We're all in this together. We're peers in this. It's not, I'm not better than you because I call the plays and I'm the head coach and you know, you're not better than me because you're uh, the starting quarterback or it's, it's everybody's e even and equal and guys really respond well to that. And then just the way that he keeps things in practice and day to day, it's focused on what we're doing and he's just gradually built that up. And then I think there's a long answer, but that coupled with John, just knowing who John was as a player and the type of attributes that he was going to look to bring into this culture I think when you fit a guy like Kyle and the way that he sees the game and then a guy like John, the way that he sees the game, understands that it's not just the talent that the person have, but also how do they fit into the culture and in the hard times that we had, how are they going to respond? I mean, are they going to point fingers and create division or are they going to work to get better? And I think you've seen that through the whole time that they've been here. I think the the, the legend will really grow for Kyle if he can do what so many people are you know, we always try to avoid two quarterbacks. It's always about you got to pick the guy before the season opener, right? Mm -hmm. Can he, as you look at these Niners, can they win using whatever Kyle's version of two quarterbacks is going to be? I think 100%. I think he's really excited to do it because knowing Kyle, I think he wants this challenge of everybody saying you can't, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I think he wants that challenge of saying not only – can you do it? But you can be really, really successful at it. And I think it comes from his knowledge of how to structure plays, when to call it. I don't even think we've seen the start of what it's going to be with Trey Lance. Um, you know, going back and watching the film of the preseason, it's exciting what they're able to do, just trading 11 on 11 football with him back there. But we didn't see a ton of like the eye candy from the backfield, a lot of different shifts and motions. I think he's going to get really creative with a lot of that stuff as Trey gets more comfortable with the NFL game and the speed. You know, I know McGlinchey's your guy. You know, he took some shit last year on social yeah. media, whatever that's worth. But, you know, he struggled a little bit in the passing game. I know being around him at practice, I know, and I'm sure you talk to him a lot. You expect a bounce back season. And if so, why? I do. Um, this year, you know, last year, he did get a lot of a lot of shit for his play, especially in the past, past game. And he understood that. But I think the narrative that's lost with him is that he is one, I mean, it's not, you know, one of the best right tackles. He's like one of the best run-blocking tackles in the NFL, and he's a big reason why they're successful in what they did. You know, in 2019, when everybody's healthy, he was a huge reason in the second year in the NFL why we were so successful in the run game. He has inopportune plays at bad times, which is, you know, can't happen. But 
And he understands that. And I think what he really worked hard on this offseason was identifying that, understanding it, taking ownership, and then working on that mindset of, you know, when things don't go my way, it's not college, it's not high school, it's the NFL. You're going to lose sometimes. And I think the first thing for him was just understanding that that is an issue. I'm going to work through it. And then also just he really focused in on a couple technique issues, especially in his past game that, you know, he was stopping his outside foot a little bit and getting a little bit too uh, too much weight on his heels. So he really took a lot of time this offseason, stayed up here in the Bay Area, worked really hard to, to iron out those technique issues. And I think it's going to be a big year for him. All right. Back on the mic this Sunday for the first time since. Oh, boy. Look at that. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh. What. <laughs> what a screenshot. That's just unfair. I know. That was a uh, – it was actually – that was a McGlinchey interview. Yeah. I don't know what that was from, but. I really think the unfair. Joe show was ahead of its time. It was. You know, the, the social media wasn't as strong when it first got going. Obviously, even team websites are way bigger now. Can you imagine if you were a second-year player right now doing a Joe show? Well, that's what happened. It, it, it was ahead of its time, and then it got out real quick. It got out in and out real quick because once it became a thing and they was, like, forced upon me to do this because social media and everything, it yeah. wasn't as fun because then everybody's, like, trying to tell me what to do. And I don't, I don't operate well when people tell me what to do. No, so you're, you're, an, tell you're an artist. You got to just right. let them create. I have a creative process. I got to <laughs> yeah, go through That's what you got to tell the producers. Sunday, they yeah. start telling you, Joe, we really want you to talk about this. You go, no, I want to talk about this. No, well, you know what I'm going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about how I golfed uh, you know, 90 last week. I think the viewers <laughs> at home want to hear about my, my uh, short game. Before we let you go, you, you like Niners this weekend? Yeah, I do. But I, I'm, I will say this about, about this. It's, um, it's all interesting stat. 2015 and 2016, not, not 15, 16. See, I got to get my stats right. That's not my strong suit. I'm not going to be a stat guy. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, 2015 and just 16. say it. No one even really fact checks anymore. Just go with it. Yeah. Hey, touche right there. So 15 and 16, the two, some of the worst seasons I've ever played in the NFL, four and 12 and um, two and 14. It was Jimmy Tom Sula and Chip Kelly. Yeah. Those seasons, both of those years, though, we won our opener and we won pretty dominantly Rams and Minnesota going into these games. You know, it's going to be a game where the Niners cannot go in there just saying, hey, we have a talented roster. The Lions are rebuilding. Um, We're just going to show up and they're going to be intimidated of us. A lot of those players and we were the same way when we played in those years. We want to prove ourselves to the new general. I mean, we didn't have a new general manager, but the new head coach. We want to prove ourselves that we are on the right track. You know, there's a lot of energy and buzz. And I think the guys in the Lions locker room have really bought into Dan Campbell. I mean, just reading up on the guy, he's a really impressive human being. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Glenn does as a, as a defensive coordinator in his first time calling games and what the plan of attack he already has enough to worry about. And now you throw him in Trey Lance possibly and different schemes stuff, but I don't think it's a game that's just going to be like, hey, the Niners are going to roll in there. They're going to dominate. And, um, you know, I expect the, the Lions to give them a good fight. So do you think week ones get a little weird because of just effort? Guys just have nothing to lose. You're zero and zero. You think you're good or just because you don't know what's coming scheme wise? Um, in this situation, it's scheme a little bit more than just the week one craziness. I always thought that was an advantage for us as a player when we had a new coaching staff and, scheme and it was always talked about too 
in the week leading up was like, Hey, don't tell it that we had the element of surprise here. And there is an, a little bit of that as far as, you know, players go with preparation, but at the end of the day, players win games. Um, you got to go out there and, and, and dominate. And the Niners do have, they have, have so much talent on this roster. I don't really see a weak point. You know, if you want to point to anything, it's like cornerback depth. And um, that's nitpicking, it, you know, it's like every position. I think they have solidified stars that when healthy are, are dominant players in the NFL. So I think a big thing going in this year is going to be managing those expectations. And I think last year was a huge uh, reality check for a lot of guys, you know, just because we have an amazing roster, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. You have to go out every single week. A lot of different variables can happen. And um, it's going to be fun to see this whole season play out. I know there's a lot of great expectations from the fans and, you know, me and the players, but it's going to be a long season. And as you guys know, the NFL is anything can happen. It's good to have you back in the, uh, in the atmosphere and in the ecosystem. Yeah, it's good to be seen and, and be heard. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Monday. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah, man. We appreciate it. Got any tips about what to do with my hands or uh, when I'm standing yeah. on just stage? Let, just let it go, you know? What about yeah. this? We'll do the Saban. You know, Saban's moving well, when around. I talk about, when I talk about the 49ers <laughs> offensive line, I want to see a lot of boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I recommend that. Yeah, yeah. that'll work. Just that that. That'll get you. They're going to want you to go viral. Violent hands. Violent hands. That's what you want to have on TV. All right. There was Joe Staley. He's got some, he's got some takes, John. He does have some takes. Do you know what I was thinking is the cool part about sports? I guess it's like this with most jobs, but sport, I mean, you know, depending on where you go to college, you might not move across the country when you're, you know, an athlete and you get drafted, you just go. Right. You don't you're like, you know, I'm not going to take this job. He's like, you got drafted in the first round. He's went to the Niners and the way his career played out. He just he went from being a Michigan guy. I mean, he's not it's not like he's from San Francisco or Oregon or what. Like he was from a different part of the country, moved out here. And now he's just he just he feels like a Californian, doesn't he? He does. He really (laughs) does fit in. Yeah, he just. He actually feels I know he, he has a house now in Southern California where they were throwing to the pizza deal with Kyle He's kind of he's he's a versatile chess piece because he's got a little SoCal to him, but he's clearly a Northern California guy being a Niner. He just he's got a good California vibe. Yeah. You know? Yep. You know, one thing to your point, I I had forgotten or didn't quite realize before we talked to him, I went back and watched like, you know, a thing NFL Network did on him, maybe when he retired, or maybe it was the Niners. He there are a couple other teams he thought were gonna draft him on draft day. Now, if I remember, I think he said the Chiefs. I think it was the Chiefs at 23. He thought the Chiefs were going to draft him in the 2007 draft. They had called him and basically indicated to him they were going to draft him. The spot is coming up. They call him again. He's on the phone with the Chiefs. Like, hey, hey, hold on a minute. The Chiefs leave him on hold for like five minutes, and then somebody gets on the phone and says, you know what, we're going to go another direction. Best of luck in your career, and hangs up. <laughs> so then, so then... The Patriots are drafting it. Oh, and he said everyone came in from outside and was like, so, we doing this, Chiefs? And he was like, no, nah, actually, they're not drafting me. I think they took Dwayne Bowe. You're correct. From, they took uh, Dwayne Bowe. From LSU. So then at 28, the Patriots, he kind of thinks the pa- he's going to be a Patriot. 
And the Niners are drafting, I guess, at 29, I think the story was. And the Niners call him, and they're like, hey, we're, like, we're going to go with you. And he says, well, I don't think I'm going to be there, man. And the Niners guy was like, just watch your TV. <laughs> like, you, you just you don't need to trust me. And the Niners did a trade with the Patriots. And somehow that pick ended up as rain the Randy Moss trade and then ended up in New Orleans the next year. And New Orleans ended up using that pick in the top 10. Um, but he was, you know, maybe that close to being Tom Brady's left tackle. If you're doing grades in 2021 on the Niners first round, Patrick Willis, Joe Staley, what grade would you give him? I, you know, John, I'm, I'm going to give it a B plus. We're going to work. You know, yeah. we're, we're trying Willis to retired this. early. Willis retired early. No, I, that's that's a that's an A plus 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 plus. Thirteen combined Pro Bowls. That was an incredible first round. Jamarcus Russell went number one. Calvin Johnson then went to Jen Joe Thomas, Laron Landry, Adrian Peterson, Willis Lynch, Revis. Uh, uh, okay, it was a good first round. Greg Olson. I'd really say the, the I'd say the high end though. Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch, Patrick Willis, Joe Staley, Calvin Johnson. That's even, pretty good. Yeah, even Jamal Anderson. Oh no, sorry, different Jamal. Two A's. I thought that was a uh, Dirty Bird. Dirty Bird. Yeah. Uh, Ted Ginn was in that draft. I you know if underrated career went oh, high. Yeah. He went high. I know. But anyway, okay, John. Let's tell the people about our friend SleepNumber.com slash ham sleepnumber.com slash ham right now the biggest sale of the year going on yep. right now yeah uh, biggest sale of the year baby 50 percent off limited edition smart bed that keeps you both effortlessly cool and comfortable plus free premium delivery and setup i like the bed rock hard yep. i'm a 60 uh, my sleep number but number see guy i I, I i wouldn't say pillow top but i definitely like it softer i don't like sleeping on concrete like Haberman. What's your number? You probably make a pretty good homeless guy. You can just sleep on the concrete outside. Well, I, t- I tell you this, 60, <laughs> a 60 sleep number, John, is much better than concrete ice. Yeah, that is very true. I, I, I'm a 30 guy. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. If you need a new bed, we cannot recommend it enough. You type in sleepnumber.com slash ham. Go check out the sales. Go get yourself a bed. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me. And use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections. On home runs, uh, not off. Not feeling great about Shohei less than thirty-eight and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance, and on Prize Picks you can win up to one hundred x your money with as little as four correct. Picks. I love it. It's download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With Butcherbox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. Butcherbox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with Butcherbox because it's high quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience 
because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping as always. And you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff curated right now. Go to butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tecovas.com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. And it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Oregon, Ohio State is this weekend. And something hit me that I was thinking about. It's a 9 a.m. game. Body clock. Body clock. Pacific. Big noon kickoff in Columbus. And I was thinking about because this game was supposed to happen last year, the Michigan-Washington game was also supposed to happen last year. Remember there was a time last year where you were thinking like, maybe I'll go to... Go to one game, and then the next week go to the other, or they were on the same weekend, whatever it was. Pac-12 schools were hosting both. We've been talking about this game longer than most people spend planning a wedding. So the big, it's our day. It's finally here Saturday. Like, if you've been talking about Oregon, Ohio State, like I have and like you have, we've been talking about this game a long time because it was supposed to, they, were, they were each supposed to get played last year on the other team sites. Washington and Oregon were supposed to host this game. And Oregon, Ohio State still feels big. Washington, Michigan feels like the big day is almost here. But like on Wednesday, everyone kind of heard that the groom almost called it off. But now he's still going to be in it and they're still going to have the wedding. But it's not quite the same. It feels a little weird because Washington lost to Montana week one. Doesn't quite have the same buildup. It's just a little it's an odd. It's not quite what we hoped it was going to be. Bobby Houck. Bobby Houck in Montana. But Oregon, Ohio State, this is the game that we've been talking about for a long time. And. Kayvon Thibodeau, if you're going to be maybe the number one pick, then this is the kind of game you solidify that. The problem is that he's not going to be 100% if he plays. I expect him to play. 
I don't know if he'll only line up on the right side so he's not pushing off the left foot, you know, just thinking about ankles. It's hard in college, in college football. There's no injury report or anything, so they can be pretty mum on it. Huh? Yeah, although Cristobal is is pretty transparent. He said, like, we're, we're trying to figure out what he can do this week. I'll tell you as much as I can without, you know, as I protect my own team. But so it's it's it, it turned out to be better than it looked when he had the boot on, right? X-ray negative. I I expect him to play. That's just me. I got to think he's going to try and give it a go. I think he's a guy that wants to compete. The program is built on it. This is Ohio State they're playing. So I got to think, John, he's going to be on the field unless the doctors think he could cause further injury to his ankle, which it well, doesn't it, seem like that's Was it an ankle sprain? Is that what they're calling yeah, it? Yeah, he got rolled up kind of on the side. I'm not sure what they're officially calling it, but yeah. Yeah. So, but look, Oregon has – Really talented players in this game. Their linebacker who led him in tackles last week, a guy named Justin Flo. Justin Flo. The second highest recruit they've ever gotten at Oregon. Thibodeau was number one. Justin Flo was number two. In the history of the program? In the history of the program. Two defense linebacker. Wasn't Noah Sewell like a Noah Sewell, (laughs) Panay's younger brother, number one, 250 pounds. I talked to Bruce Feldman. He thinks in some ways Noah's more... How many more, fucking linebackers these guys have? He thinks in some ways he's more talented than Kayvon. Some people think that Noah Sewell is actually more talented than Kayvon Thibodeau in some ways. So they should... I mean, it's... Now, they got a, a defense here. They're going up against this Ohio State team that you, you're going to have to be scoring like 30 points to beat them, 28 to beat them. You see those wide receivers against Minnesota? They can fly, bro. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. yeah. They can fly. I... I think it's a big moment just for just the the West Coast football. Not the Mountain West and the Big Sky who are actually doing well, but just the Pac-12. If these guys can just stay close, they don't even need to win. Just stay close. Like, to me, Montana, or I mean Washington, I actually think it's kind of a Harbaugh moment. Like, you might just kick the shit out of these guys. And it won't feel like you're Harbaugh back, might, but it'll be like— Washington. Might. Yeah, I'm saying Harbaugh just beats them by like 20, 25 points, and it's just like— you know, Jim's just kind of got some mojo back. Are they going to be some national championship team? No, but, like, maybe he figured some things out. Maybe they're just better. Where this game, it feels like everyone's blowing Mario, and rightfully so, for landing all these sweet recruits. You're just – you listed the three guys. I get you just falling 24-7 or whatever. They have recruited incredibly well the last couple of years, right? It's not just the high end, like the number one overall guy, but just their classes – so I just question the quarterback they rolled out. Is that guy going to be able to hang at Ohio State? The guy that we just saw against that's Fresno the, State. That, that's, that's I would what, lean no. That's what this game's about. Because even with a good defense, no. you're going to have to score. Unless if t- if you're creating turnovers, I mean that's going to. I think Oregon. They did it last week. They forced four fumbles. They have got, I think, to create turnovers because but their he, offense is not as explosive as Ohio State. So they got to take the ball away from them. The other thing that really stood out to me it was actually I, I didn't start drinking until this game ended and it was just so locked in it was it was remarkable that fresno state oregon just that i i'm made for that three hour stretch like I, i'm put on this earth to consume that thing on a couch the dogs i would say now the pac-12 the last couple years is not known to have great defensive lines right like probably like oregon does right now or like chip did once upon a time with buckner and armstead the dogs were shoving around their offensive line, constantly getting pressure. I, I don't pretend to know every dude on Ohio State's front, but I know they got dudes. Yeah. Are they going to be able to block them? Now, Mario's an O-line guy, but like the dogs guy were constantly in the backfield. The Fresno State against Oregon. 
That to me is a little concerning. Besides even the quarterback. I think part like, of it is just that, that you got to scare him with the pass to relieve some of that pressure. You've got to hit some throws to relieve some pressure. He he missed. I remember one like kind of a deep crossing, like a skinny post type that he the guy would have just been off to the races. And he the no. dude laid out Giancarlo Stanton style the other night. You see that catch by Stanton? Mm-hmm. Pretty nice catch in the outfield. He's dove. Might not even have been as crazy, but when you're six eight and you dive, it just feels like you're covering a lot of ground. The whole place went nuts. But do you remember the pass the Oregon guy made? And he had him cutting across the middle, and the dude and it's just like, oh my god, you can't hit that throw. Maybe it's his first game. I heard a lot of people defending Chris Stroud, and rightfully so, because CJ? that first half— Is his name Chris? Uh, no, it's CJ. Chris, I think, was another athlete somewhere once upon a time. CJ Stroud. That some of these guys, especially when you start for the Ohio State's Clemson's, Bama, like not everyone just hits the ground running and looks like bright. Like sometimes you have a rough half. It's the first game the guy's ever started. By the second half, I was like, God, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, He'll probably be fine. More than likely, he's a good player. Oh, you liked right? his five completions for 236 yards and four touchdowns in the second half? Now, some of them were layup throws. I mean, the guy was wide open. But he did but make a couple. He's an athletic guy. They're going to get layup throws in college. Yeah, with, well, with these guys. like the, yeah. the, People think this is maybe the greatest combo of Ohio State receivers ever. And they've had two great first receivers. Rounders. Yeah, so scary. Do, do you think Oregon keeps it close? I, I do think they can. But they've got to create turnovers. I don't think Ohio State. No, State's they can. Do you trust that they do? Uh, it's hard yeah, to say I think it, they huh? do. I think they do. That place is going to be going ape shit. I know. That place is going to be bananas. It's going like th- it's, yeah, it's to be 100,000 people. I think Ohio State and Michigan are going to look awesome. I think on one though. thing, as crazy as it sounds, it's a disadvantage to be playing 9 a.m. body clock. You know who hates noon kickoff games? Like the fans. No. <laughs> The oh, fans yeah. who attend the games well, don't love them. I, I, no, I, I think they're used to it in that part of the country, though, I, don't you? No, because they still they've still got – I saw they still got like 5,000 tickets available, which is not a lot. Like they're, they got 100,000 people there. But normally like these things are – like, the, you know, if this game was at night, I don't think – I think it would have been sold out a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I, again, I don't think there's going to be any noticeable difference. I mean, it's going to feel like a huge game. Did they sing Mr. Brightside when you went to University of Michigan game? I never. Wh- where did that come from? I saw that the other day. I don't remember that at all. I don't. I don't. Do you even understand the tradition? No, absolutely not. But it was looked really cool on the video. I love the part of the song where I even know, like, I don't quite know the words. Yeah. <laughs> and then you could tell the whole stadium, the whole stadium, people just kind of mumbling. And, Mr. Brightside. <laughs> I do wonder if they put the lyrics on the video they, yeah, board. Yeah, they probably do. That would be my move, but I—that I, has to be something they got instituted the last couple of years. I, but how? Why? Does somebody I, I know? know? It did sound pretty cool when everyone's singing it. Yeah, you. Get and I was thinking, like, I, I saw a lot of people replying. How did they get a hundred thousand people to learn their words? When you have a hundred thousand people, you only need probably forty of them to be really loud for it to like echo through the whole town, right? Forty thousand people song. singing at the same time would be a lot. It was a big. I mean, it's not a hundred thousand people. Not every grandma in the stands is singing word for word. Right. But, I mean. There might be a FOMO aspect, though. If you everyone's singing and you see the video, you're like, I'll sing too. You, you, if you're a season ticket holder, you know the song by halfway through the season. So if they've been going three, four years, you've heard the song a million times. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Okay. You want to dive into Fresno State Cal Poly or? Is there a line on that? Paulie just coming off a win against uh, University of San Diego. Are they I don't still think running the Veer? 
Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Hard to prepare for. I mean, that's you do not want it to is, play it is Navy, hard to Air no, Force. I mean, it's not the Veer, but you know what I'm saying. Chop blocks. You don't. Basically you can't really is. practice yeah. those. James Noble used to run for a K when I was there. James year. Noble, Cal Poly, that was the he, guy? Yeah, he was a running back. Rams, good. Ram, Ramsey's Barden, wasn't that your receiver? He, yeah, James Noble made like a Robbie Rouse or Deion Lewis look like, uh, you know, Earl Campbell. He was he was probably 5'2", but he was a dominant player. I mean, legitimately like 5'6". I guess Robbie was 5'6", too, but Robbie was a better player. All right, everybody. Uh, so here's the deal. We're going to go watch some football. Coming up tonight at 8 p.m. Pacific, Joe Staley, a conversation with Joe Staley will debut on our YouTube channel. This is Thursday night at 8. You can check that out. Uh, please watch that. And it'll also, if you miss it, it'll be in the podcast. Uh, this is the podcast for Friday. This will, Joe Staley's conversation will be in the podcast for Friday as well. Let's do it. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging with us. Adios. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.